Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Turned Out of Punk Splits. Once again, we are bringing back two people that have previously been on the show that may or may not know each other to discuss what else but punk rock. Today, we are doing a celebration of Chicago, Chicago punk, best in the world, with Joe from Rise Against and 88 Fingers Louie and Daryl from the Bow Weevils and Lando's 45 coming together. These are two guys that spent their formative years in Chicago punk, and I couldn't think of two people I'd want to have a conversation with more about this subject because this is a fun one. Oh, I love talking to these guys separately. They love talking to each other separately. So we come together, you know, we're going to chat. Originally, this thing was four hours, but I think we only pressed record for an hour and 15 minutes, which you're going to hear right now. We just yammered on all night. I tell you, homeschooling the next day with the kids was a little rough. A little rough, but I would gladly do it again. Uh, the Bo Weevils, as previously mentioned, one of my faves, they have brand new music. You can find out more information at the underscore Bo Weevils underscore Chicago uh, on Instagram or orcd.co slash B-O-L-L-W-E-E-V-I-L-S. And you can find out about the new songs they have on Red Scare Records. Toby still need my Swing and Utter CD. And they will be putting out, hopefully, these things on physical vinyl at some point in the uh, in the near future. And I've heard rumor there might be some other stuff in the works. The Force of Nature, known as Rise Against, on the other hand, has just put out a brand new record, well, a few months ago now, Nowhere Generation. Check that out uh, everywhere. It's available everywhere now. And uh, they will be hopefully going on tour at some point in the future. And same with the Bull Weevils when when touring is possible. So check out both of those bands uh, at Rise Against on social media for Rise Against. Uh, you can find out all information about tours and releases and all those things. And uh, yeah, also go back and look through the archives. There are tons of other incredible episodes with Chicago greats, including, of course, Daryl and Joe's previous appearances on the show. There's also like episodes with Tim from Rise Against, Martine from Los Crudos, a bunch of ones with people that had been screeching weasel. There are tons. There's so many Chicago episodes in there. Go through. This is one of my favorite scenes to discuss, as many of you that listen to the show know. And so I'm not going to yammer on. Remember, as always, you can head over to turnatapunk.com and grab a shirt. There's also the Patreon at patreon.com slash turnatapunk. Turnatapunk. Uh, but, but that's it. Sit back, relax, and enjoy Joe and Daryl on Turned Out of Punk Splits. All right, Dr. Daryl Wilson. Joe, welcome back to the show. How's it going? Good, man. Go, going good. I am very excited to have both of you here because, uh, well, you know, we've, we've hung out in person together. Yes. But to me, because of the Beweevil's 88 Fingers Louie splits that you guys did together and just like seeing your names on flyers over the years. I've always associated your two bands as being kind of like a kinship between the two bands. So this just seemed like a natural to kind of make happen finally so I can celebrate <laughs> your bands in Chicago as a whole with you guys. I mean, how close are we, Joe? How close are we? Yeah. I mean, in, inseparable. It's true. I mean, I know. <laughs> I was I was talking about this like so Pete brought it up the other day he's like you know it's a natural thing because 
you've known each other since we, we grew up together. Like we came up like, I mean, I mean, I'm older than Joe, but I mean, we're still like brothers and it's like, you know, like his family always treated me like family, which is always good. And so, you know, and so we are like family. It's funny because we can laugh about stuff. We can't, we could not talk for like months and then just bring up the stupidest things that we always do. It's the same stuff because it's just funny because as we were just young, young adults growing up <laughs> and doing stupid things and figuring out how to do music, which is just yeah. the thing. We just figured that all out together. And, and it was like us as two bands were like inseparable. It was, it was our faction, right? We were, we were the Bow Wheels 88 Fingers Louis faction. That's what it was back in For the day. For sure. It, it's funny because back... So like going to shows, right? You had, especially McGregor's, you had our faction, you had like Trigwater dudes in yep. their little circle with Gage. And then yep. you have like Captain Jazz, like Tim Kinsella would, would start showing up. I remember the first time I saw Captain Jazz, they opened up for Pegboy at McGregor's. So everyone had their like, yeah, their little like gangs like at these shows. But the um, funny thing is that we all would mingle together because the shows were all, you know, everything. Like we play with Gage which, yeah, I love Gage. I love all the guys in Gage. Absolutely. You know, it's like, and then like, you see like, you know, Bob would, Nana would be out there and have friction play and stuff like that. So yep. you had all this, which bands we all loved because we all were hanging out and we'd all go to the same shows no matter what. And you'd see them at all the Fireside shows when the Fireside opened up. You'd see people at the Metro, of course, back in the day because um, that was the pinnacle of what you'd have to see a show at. You know, McGregor's, of course, if you had to see a show in the suburbs, then all the VFW halls for shows too, and watching bands like Not Rebecca and, you know, Oblivion and everything. But we all kind of, we all hung out together to see shows and we all played shows together, no matter what kind of the quote genre of music was, it was just all punk right then, right? It didn't matter. And, And then it all just turned into like this weird, you know, your burbs, your city, you know, but you're, you're city, but you're trying to be West Coast and you're not really Chicago. It's like, what are you talking about? This crazy <laughs> people just trying to break everybody up. It was just dumb. You know, it was just dumb. Totally. <laughs> we had, oh. and, and other people from Chicago, like I think you brought it up first when you were on, um, but like other people have come on and brought up that same sort of thing that at a certain point, everyone was just together and then everything just separated. And it seems yeah. like it just happens for no reason. Well, maybe just by a factor of it becoming bigger. I, I think that's a part of it. Like it, it yeah. got bigger. I mean, I, the, I think the biggest schism started with the whole Metro thing, right? And, you know, punk shows going on at the Metro again. And yeah. the, 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 the whole, you know, signing the, the, the missive that says <laughs> we won't do this. And we were like, <laughs> we're not signing this. What are you talking about? I mean, what was, what was the whole thing of like, I, we're not signing this. Why are we going to like sign up for this crazy notion that we're not going to play a show at the Metro and, oh, they're too corporate, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, boy, that was the big, big breakup where people were like, we were like a, a scene together. And then suddenly it was like, oh, you went against what, what Ben said, how dare yeah. you do that? And it's like, you guys are anti- the scenes like well you guys never really invited us into your scene anyway out there in the suburbs we could barely get a show so we're gonna go over here and do this thing and keep playing our way and we'll play the metro you'll eventually want to play there too we'll eventually get kicked out of playing the metro and can't play there because of the <laughs> band for fighting there but i mean 
I, I, I think that's the biggest thing that broke things up. And then we got kind of also kind of broken away from what, when Underdog was going to do the Smoking Pope's record and they weren't going to do yep. our record. And we were like, well, we we're ready to put our record too. Like, nah, you guys aren't ready. It's like, really? And so we just went and started looking elsewhere and Dr. Strange picked us up. That's, that's, sorry to interrupt. That's a big difference. We were, our two bands, we got on West Coast labels and not a lot of people, I don't think a lot of people at that time were getting outside of Chicago and having West Coast, East Coast labels putting out their records to my, to my, in, at least in our circle. Hmm. Like, you know, like, like, I think we, we were thinking bigger, you know, yeah. like, I mean, not to say we didn't, we didn't try, like, obviously, like you guys tried to underdog and, um, you know, but yeah, I do think like that was a, that was a big difference. I remember thinking it was, I remember getting kind of shit for being on like fat records, <laughs> like from, from people yeah. from Chicago. I, I yeah. was like, they're like, Oh, you guys just want to be no effects. I'm like, well, no, that's not it. Right. I respect, I respect what, what Mike is doing. Right. And, and Bill with Dr. Strange, you know? Right. That was the funny thing is that we were, since we were on the West Coast labels, we suddenly got pushed out a little bit. Like you guys are like, that we were like, we were big timing people or something. Like yeah. we weren't like, <laughs> like, we're, like we're, I mean, because we did think of something that was outside of the local thing, but we tried to stay local. And it was yeah. like, we were getting rejected in some sense by the people that we were a part of. It was kind of weird. And it was so we said, okay, we'll just go do this someplace else. And then, then people were like mad at us for doing that. It's like, well, we got to kind of look out for what we wanted to do too. It's not like we're not Chicago. We're bringing Chicago out there. And yep. so that's all we did. And, and, and that's where we really started to see a big fact where people were like, oh, I hate those guys. Those guys are, how dare they slap Chicago in the face? I'm like, we didn't do that. We're still a Chicago band. <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah. So, but that, but that all gets forgotten in the, you know, the dust of history over time, but that, that did happen. We were both going out to the West coast. Yeah. And doing those yep. tours and stuff and going out there and stuff. So, well, people, people forget like, like Nick and Reagan was on Caroline, like that's East coast, right? Mm -hmm. Like yep. at least, I mean, at least the later records. Um, I mean, Pegboy had quarter sick with touch and go. That was yeah, definitely rooted cool. in Chicago. Chicago. Yep. Um, and then, but I, I do remember when Screeching Weasel first signed to Lookout, I remember, uh, Damien, I think I mentioned this on the show. Like, I remember walking up to Ben at, at a merch table at a Screeching Weasel show. And I'm like, oh man, how did you get on Lookout Records? And he's like, I asked them. And he looked at me like, like get the fuck away from me, you idiot. Like, <laughs> like I felt, I was so defeated. But, yeah. but I was like, oh, it's just that easy. Just ask. And that's what we did. Like, Well, Punk's got this like real anti, you know, ambition streak. Like as soon as you kind of like buck with the norm, it's like, no, 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 no. Like put the brakes on that. Because it's funny, Chicago is a very insular looking scene. Like when you talk about underdog or Jonas face or, or wrestlers, like all these labels, it's like, they're putting out Chicago bands, but it's your bands that were on these other labels that I would hear about in Canada, like screeching weasel, obviously, because they were on lookout, but you guys being on fat or, or Beweevils being on Dr. Strange, like those were labels that had distribution in Canada. Like, you know, underdog records, I didn't find out about all the greatness that was on that label till later on when I finally was able to kind of get more into used records. Right. And, and yeah. if you think about that, it's like if a part of that too is if we could go out and get better distribution and talk about our Chicago. So if you, you read the liner notes of records, we had all those bands listed, all, mm -hmm. all of our friends and all the guys that we played with 
in in anybody in that scene that was there that you could go like, well, I listened to the Bow Weevils. Why would I not listen to you know Apothecoboken? Why would I not yeah. listen to you know Gage? Why would I not hear this stuff? And that and that's kind of the whole thing that we would do. I mean, we had our influences that came from all over the place, but we were rooted in Chicago. That's what our sound comes from, the Midwestern kind of sound. But going out anywhere we would tour, it was like, here comes those Chicago guys coming through. And we were blatantly Chicago. I mean, we were always, we were blatantly, Joe knows that we would go on that. We, we made sure people knew we were from Chicago. We would oh, yeah. never let, we would never let somebody live that down. People would serve us pizza thinking that it was something we were going to, Oh, you guys love pizza. I'm like, what the hell is this? You're giving us this, yeah. is, this, Get this is, away from us. This, is, this peasant food. What is this crap? This is not pizza that I can enjoy. How dare you? <laughs> well, look at your band's logo, right? Like your band's logo is repping Chicago right there. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, I mean the whole, you know, four city auto parts, you know, logo. And so it, it, that's kind of that whole thing that we, we would take the Midwest out wherever we went and just kept on saying, hey, we're, we're from Chicago. That's the first thing we always say, you know, where the Bulls are from Chicago. You know, we're, we're Chicago, we're Chicago. And, and I remember one, we were out West and somebody said, all you Chicago people talk like you're like gangsters, like Al Capone or something. Like, <laughs> what are you saying? You guys all sound like gangsters. I'm like, like movie gangs? Like, no, nah, no, nah, see? Oh, we're, we're gonna take these guys. See, we're gonna play the show. See? Like, <laughs> remember that, Joe? They were talking like crazy like that. I'm like, do we sound oh, yeah. that way? And and the person who's most Chicago is like Ken. I mean, he he has yeah. his full-on hardcore and, and, and see, he gets more tired and done. His, his Chicago, you know, accent comes out even more. And it's like he's just pure chicago oh for yes. sure and you hear him talking it's like oh yeah you do sound like gangsters i get it i understand <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's funny because like uh new york hardcore right like that's such a, like a trademarked kind of shorthand now at this point for something but it's also yeah. in the same way like chicago punk and chicago hardcore like the the kind of drive to melody that seems to be in a lot of the bands and sort of like you know, it's almost like it's so different than the way hardcore is taken up in D.C. or the way it's taken up in New York, right? Like, in the way it's taken up in Chicago is it's much more part of, I don't know, it's 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 something that's unique to it, like a Chicago punk. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because when I played in Dead Ending with Vic Bondi, I asked him, I said, how did Articles of Faith stumble upon hardcore? Like, like what was the thing? Because there was effigies. And Articles of Faith, to my knowledge, was probably one of the first like real hardcore bands in Chicago. He's like, well, I was out east on the East Coast and I saw the bad brands and I, I'm like, I'm going to rip these guys off. But like, not like I'm going to steal what they're doing, but like he was so influenced and blown away by them. And he's like, I brought that back to Chicago. But it's like, no matter what he did, they still sound like articles of faith. Like, like there's, I don't hear bad brains in them. Right. They just sound like, they sound like, like I when I think of articles of faith, I think of like, an alleyway in Chicago with yeah. like dumpsters and like, like rats and like, like, like just dirty, you know, like, I don't know. Like, don't you think of like a factory and this industrial kind of like sound that's coming out of it? It's like, you just, yeah. it, it is, it's like that whole thing of like, it's, it's this Gotham kind of thing, you know, yeah. it, it, that, that's what it is when you hear it. it, it there's this get weird, almost 
underlying tone to the guitar that is is distinctly something that you hear in in midwestern chicago like guys who play guitar man it, it's like it's i think it comes from steve albini his guitar in big black was so menacing sounding yeah like it, it's it was like, I mean, a, it's like a grating saw like a saw yeah, yeah totally <laughs> <laughs> you know? yeah no it's that it's that like it's all that stuff that i guess culminates in and gets taken up differently but it it's weird because like that touch and go as you said peg boy and quarter stick like that continues on does that chicago scene have a lot of crossover with the punk stuff in the 90s like the the, the touch and go chicago stuff i mean well I, go ahead daryl i mean I, I guess in a way because i mean because we listen to that and you kind of bring that up right so it wasn't like you you everything builds upon itself, right? Everybody always talks about there's certain structures to the DNA of what makes like Chicago punk rock bands in a way, right? And a lot of it, I think, comes out of, you know, you listen to like Out of Order, you listen to, yeah. you know, uh, Naked Raygon, you know, you, you can find all this stuff that's there. It's like, it's this guitar based kind of thing that builds up from there. And the bass has a certain hit to it when you hear it, how it cuts through. And you'll yeah. hear that in, in, in Peg Boy, you'll hear that in Raygun, you'll hear that in The Effigies, you hear that in Articles of Faith. But then if you start listening to bands, you hear that in The Lawrence Arms, you'll hear yeah. it in, you know, 88 Fingers Lou, you'll hear it in, you know, The Bowie Captain Jazz. Captain, right. Mm. All of that still has that same underpinning of stuff that comes out of all the touch and go, you know, Caroline, all that stuff that we all grew up on, right? So we listened to that. And then we continued to kind of fly that flag of the Chicago flag. Like, this is what we came from. And you kind of then, you know, bring it into the now, you know, the 90s and then to the 2000s. It keeps on going, keeps building from there. So bands have this kind of the, the pedigree of things they listened to before when you have the people that are part of those bands. But it's in your DNA because that's all you listen to. And, and even your parents kind of make you listen to that. I mean, we're, we're all of us who are parents who if we're playing records, we, we play those records, right? So yeah. that, that keeps getting passed on. It's not like those records stop getting played, which is which is kind of wild, right? You're like people are like jazz them when they introduce their kids to Naked Ray Gun. You yeah. Know? And, and you're jazz them when you introduce your kids to Peg Boy. And then you can go on and go down the line. I can say I introduce my kids to all those bands as babies. And then I, I play Rise Against for them and say, well, this is still comes out of that because these are guys are guys that I know from way back in the day, you know, this is one of my best friends, you know, who's playing in this band. And I've known him since before we were doing what we were doing in, in bands, you know, he's, yeah. you know, up there, I'm, I'm still doing my thing. And we all still hang out because we grew up together. You know, yeah. and that's what the Midwest thing is. I think it's familial kind of thing. It's a familial DNA in, ingrained thing. So that stuff that comes out of quarter stick, stuff comes out of touch and go, all those things are built into everything that's come beyond that through the nineties, through the two thousands and beyond. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And now, you, and now you look at it like the biggest punk bands are Chicago bands, you know, like rise against fallout boy, you know, um, there's more, there's more like alkaline trio Lawrence. There's just like a tradition of these bands that kind of, it's funny because there were obviously bands on a national scale before, but like, you know, talking before it was such an insular looking scene and not a lot of bands broke out 
nationally or internationally, it felt like compared to other cities or other scenes, especially California. But now we're at this point where these Chicago bands that have direct ties to the DIY hardcore and punk scene are the dominant bands to kind of come out of this thing. Right. Right. And, and yeah. I think, and they always, always throw their, their homages back and say, naked ray gun, you know, that mm-hmm. we all have this common, once again, this common DNA that binds us all together that we can all point to and go, this is kind of where we all came from, which is, yeah. which is the coolest thing. It's also amazing that like literally all these people were at shows together. Probably all, all everyone played on bills together at some point or another, mm-hmm. like different bands at different points. <laughs> what was that, that show that I think everybody's at that all bad religion uh, shelter show at uh, the Vic? You What's know like, what? I didn't, I, I didn't go to that. You're like the only person that didn't go to <laughs> yeah. that show. Do you, to that show. Do, you know, do you know why I didn't go? Because th- I'm pretty sure this is the same Bad Religion show. Screeching Weasel was playing McGregor's the same night, and I went to McGregor's, totally kicking myself. Oh, At least man. I'm pretty sure. I know, or maybe it was the Bad Religion Against the Grain tour. They yeah, played Medusa's. They played, Medusas. They, they played Medusa's. Yeah. Like, well, Dom and I went to McGregor's like idiots. Oh, <laughs> this yo, was you, Screeching Weasel. You know, you know where I was. I was right there. Yeah. We were, I was all there. Walked right in. Like, oh, so, such a good show. So good. Oh. Didn't Trenchmouth play that show? Um, the the uh, Bad Religion show. Yes, I think yeah. yeah Trenchmouth they opened. Yeah, they did. They yeah. did. I yes, I was there. Fred was playing. <laughs> how and it, to Damien's point, how insane is that? We we, we would play like yeah with Trenchmouth, all these we bands, play- <laughs> like too far west. We played too that far west. Week. You were wearing that uh, that uh, purple uh, dinosaur Judy shirt that day. <laughs> <laughs> the two far west shows had like 20 people at like 30 people <laughs> like, right. we played with trench about that day that was awesome well that's you know, the amazing yeah. thing about this is there there are like 20 people at these shows but all of them wind up doing interesting shit you know like all these people that are gravitating towards this thing there weren't a lot of us but most of us wind up doing cool stuff you know like in in different fields or in different walks of life but like it just seems like I don't know if you'd have the same cross section at, you know, not to beat up on metal, but like at a metal show or at a rave, you know, like I just don't know if you'd have the same sort of maybe you do. Maybe I'm just oblivious to these worlds, but it just feels like the fact that you've got like people from comedy, people going on to music stuff, people going on to, you know, medicine in your case, you know, obviously as well. Like there's just like a, I don't know, just like a lot of really cool energy in these small rooms with, with very few people at a lot of times. Well, hey, it, it, go ahead, go ahead, Joe. I was gonna say, case in point, Kyle Kinane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, he was playing in the Grand Marquis, and we had <laughs> mutual friends. Like I didn't hang out with Kyle back then. It's insane where his life took him and where our lives have taken. I mean, it's uh, that it blew, when he he reached out to me one like one day on Instagram, and it it kind of like it blew my mind. Like I was like, oh, f- right, you're from Addison, Illinois. And I remember seeing you at 88 Fingers Louis shows. Yes. Like just, you know, like. And it's funny cause we would hang, I, I hang out with Kyle. It's like hanging out with, cause he hung out with, you know, with Paul, with Mike Catani. Right. Paul, all those guys. So we'd always hang out. And so it was always just hanging out, not only just with music, but just hanging out in general, which is funny. And I remember when Kyle was first starting comedy and then where Kyle is and he, he's, it's just the funniest thing of all these groups of people that hang out and you know Kyle coming out of punk rock stuff and seeing us play 
and then you play and then all of us being friends together because it's just because of what we we did because of our our, our fun pastime of punk rock yeah um, and yeah you're right damien like some of these shows that you talk about it's like the people that were there is all these people that you think you go oh my god that's 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 Matt Skiba it's like well yeah I remember Matt and he, you know he was a little guy you know back in the day it's like that's jerk jerk water jerk water you know it's like you know it's like yeah you think about all these things that everybody was a part of and where we all hung out like either playing a show in Elgin that had its you know sound playing a show in Elmhurst at the VFW halls playing you know in the city you know the fireside when that opened up you know it, it was like everybody was all around you you found ways to go to shows you saw the same people and you can see them now and it's still like hey you just say hey what's going on and it's like you just never have this you never had a a, a loss of conversation with them in some sense yeah 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 no. it's i think it's like you know growing up as a kid you know like being into charles bronson and being into bo weevils and 80 fingers louie and being like oh it's so these are such disparate worlds and then finding out oh there's the Meshuganas that played with you know ebro was in the Meshuganas who would play with you guys too and like <laughs> oh yes are, are right on top of each other and ivy or what ivy green no what's ivy uh, league ivy league jeff's band oh yeah dan, yeah dan sullivan's band well and, and yeah like well it's funny because ivy league i i had just somehow i i had just missed like when when they were playing shows, I wasn't going to shows, right? Like I, like I, I was too young or whatever. And I might have, maybe I saw them at one show, like somewhere in the burbs. Like Sir Donald's. I didn't realize. What's that? At Sir maybe Donald's. Sir Donald's. Yeah, right. <laughs> maybe. Um, mm -hmm. But, but then it's like I, I didn't realize. Like then Gub goes on to do Gage and Dan's and Screeching Weasel, you know, and, and then um, Bob Fogarty, mm -hmm. you know, like like he was hanging out with us at underdog every week, you know, with Allison, like, yep. like, it's just, it's like, it's crazy. Like, like, and then you, like, we still see Gub. Well, now, now with COVID, but like, it, you know, he's still working at the Metro. Mm -hmm. um, that, that shit blows, it blows my mind. Like uh, these mis misconnections back in the day, but then you, you kind of come together and you're, you're, like you said, you're with these people for years, you know, yeah. like you just see them, your daily routine and like what you do you know what you like to do in your life and and the, and the thing is i realized going back like just the the diversity of talent in everything that it, it was like the sounds were really rich because we had though we had that basic dna of it all everybody had their own little twist on everything and it was still midwestern it was still chicago but it was like yeah you had kind of the emo stuff you had you know us as you know, melodic hardcore, you know, and 88 Fingers Lose melodic hardcore. You had, you know, even, you know, straight up hardcore, you know, Charles Bronson. You had, you know, all these things that you get through everything. You know, we got, you know, Apocalypse Hoboken, one of the, you know, greatest bands around, you know. Todd Pot's one of the best front men. Right. Just the talent and just always on, you know, no matter what, you know, Oblivion with the way that Pete could write a song and yeah. could play that. I mean, it's like, it's crazy the way you had as a three piece, the way the sound came off the stage when they played. Yeah. So, but then all of us would be at like Attica and we'd all do gang vocals on a record for everybody. You know, <laughs> yeah. Thing and, and, or, or we'd be, you know, where, you know, 
Phil was recording something, you know, on the Burbs and Addison for Apocalypse Hobook, and we're on the jerk lessons thing. We're all singing backgrounds for that. You know, it's like that's that's kind of where everything comes together, where we were all just a bunch of goofs who are having a good time, you know, and it yeah. wasn't like a, a big, you know, it wasn't like wagging your dicks to say who's the better fucking band. You always wanted to play really good when bands played. You go like, dude, they killed it. Do we got to play better? You know, but it was <laughs> never like a, a, a rival schools. Like I'm going to beat those guys down. It was like, dude, they play good. Let's play well and make the show just fucking kick. That was kind of what it was all about. Yeah. Well, and I guess that's the other thing about Chicago punk. Like it was, everyone had to be good. Like there's no real sloppy bands like even bands that are like less tight there's a tightness to the way they're being loose but thank you i'll take that as the best it could because we were sloppy as hell (laughs) (laughs) yeah we're not as sloppy as some other places there are definitely some way sloppier scenes oh shit we were actually no we were pretty tight for for probably you guys were were tight always like for sure for how fast Um, we played it was like crazy I was watching yeah, but, those little videos, like how fast we were playing. I'm like, that's way fast. I'm like, oh my God. It's like, what the hell are we doing? But, but think about how many times when you were in med school, think about it, you guys rehearsed way more than, right? And so did 88 Fingers, Louie. We yeah. were rehearsing a lot. We had a, more time on our hands. Well, you had med school, but you guys are still playing together all the time. Like, I think it's, I think it's, it's different, right? We were just, with youth, you, you have more, like you you dedicate more of your time for that craft because that is your outlet not that it's not our outlet now but we have children and we, you know there's so much other shit coming at us but that was like we live for that like like oh, yeah. i know with, i i know like i would i would get home from rehearsals 88 fingers louis and sit and watch tv shows with my bass playing along like while i was watching like i don't do that now like i fully admit like i you know like i get lazy sometimes you know like um, but I remember living for that, you know, like, but you guys are always tight. Well, hell we, we would go out to shows like every day. Like if we had yeah. time, it was like, okay, there's a show. Okay. We, we meet at my apartment and we'd go, like, go <laughs> yeah. there. my apartment was as big as the room Joe's in right now. And we'd all be like <laughs> eight people there. And we'd all go, we'd all like, or we meet at the fires. We'd meet at places. We just like, hey, it's a weeknight. There's a show playing. We're going to go. We just hang out and watch music. So it was like, we were always had something musical going on or hanging out with people who played in bands or, you know, just being goofy, watching dumb movies and, and not even talking about music, but we were all hanging out and we all had the same mindset. Or we'd all get records, you know, when records came out, you go to the record store, we go get records. We did devote a lot of time to just hanging out around music or playing music or practicing music or buying music. That's what we did, you know, as our outlet. So- that was it. So like every Tuesday we had the underdog records, the collective, the meetings every Tuesday. And then Saturdays we go to record shopping. And I remember, I remember learning so much from those underdog meetings about distribution, you know, the, the t-shirt screening. I learned that from you guys screening our own t-shirts, but like pressing records and making covers for records. And I just remember Doug, Doug Ward was definitely a wealth of information yeah. for, for all of that. Um, and it, it made me realize too, because do you remember like it took them a while to get distribution through Mordam Records? Yeah, do you remember? I, remember I think it was Book Your Own Fucking Life pushed them over the edge to get that distribution from Mordam. Yep. And um, I just remember thinking like, 
oh, like this is important. This is just as important as being on, you know, doing a record label, the distribution part of it. Like it just kind of opened my eyes to like the business side of it. Right. Because um, you think you put out a record, people buy it. It's like, well, they got to find it somewhere. It's like, oh, yeah, they don't just get the record. We don't just press it and suddenly <laughs> they have it go to them. That's not how that works. Wait do you remember? Do you remember doing consignment, like going to Reckless and leaving yes. like 20 <laughs> copies there? Yes. <laughs> yes. Come back and get your, okay, you got nine records left. Here's what you have so far. Okay, cool. Thanks, man. Thanks. We're going to keep these here. Keep that money going. Get the, that, our money's growing. Our money's growing over there. And our Reckless $20. CD. <laughs> right. <laughs> I remember that. You know, to harp back on it, but like, once again, it's amazing to think who was in the Underdog Collective. Right, because you got members of Dillinger Four that probably came through there, members of you know Eight yourself, Park. yeah, like just like just so many, you know, like aforementioned Fred Armisen, <laughs> you know, like it, it really seems like you know a, a who's who of people. Do you know what, collective. The craziest, the craziest Dave, thing. Dave that, Naked hanging out there. Dave Naked was hanging out there. <laughs> no, do you remember we were at a meeting and Becky from Roseanne was there? Yeah, <laughs> I, I remember. Yes. I was. But she was like a she, punk rock chick from Evans. She, she Evans came to those shows. She came to those shows and stuff like that. What? I was like, I was, I was trying to talk to her. Remember, remember that? Remember that? Remember that? I, I was. I was trying to talk to her. You guys I were remember that. On? I had no idea she was a punk rocker. Wow. She was. She yeah. was. She came to some of our shows and stuff like that. I was, I was totally trying to talk to her. No joke. <laughs> no joke. Joe knows that. I was trying to talk to her. A lot of celebrities. A lot like not, not so. What's that? The biggest wrestler in the in the world, CM Punk. CM Punk. Yeah. Also yeah. In, at yep. these shows. Like, man, yep. like, it's like a who's who of popular culture. Not just music. Forget just music, comedy, uh, sitcoms, wrestling. Yeah. Do you know what the craziest thing that happened? Speaking of that, like people outside, you wouldn't think being associated with punk rock. I remember playing with 80 Fingers Louie was on tour and we played West Hollywood with Naked Aggression. And... Christina Ricci came to the show. Wow. And I was like, what the fuck? And then <laughs> she was like a Naked Aggression fan. And I was like, this is blowing my mind. I remember Dennis, like, he's like, that's Christina Ricci, <laughs> like, just freaking out. Like, <laughs> and then, like, what, it just, it just, it made, it made a, a huge world seem so small, like, at that point. Right. I was just like, wow, like, this reaches every, everybody. Well, when I was trying to talk to Becky, she probably didn't know I was trying to talk to her, but you know, she wasn't, she was like ignoring me. I was like, come on. No game, no game. I, I had no game. I was like, <laughs> um, yo, um, you know, I play the Bowie Bowls. Um, I'm going to be a doctor one day. She's David ignoring me. This is like, just, it doesn't even, so if she can hear this now. I was like, I was trying to talk to you. Becky. If, she, if she's hearing this right now, also come on as a guest. Like, we have the show too. <laughs> she didn't notice it but you know now it's like no game no game no bueno. <laughs> it's, it's funny because with naked aggression i watched decline of western civilization part three and that's a band that i completely like spaced on how big they were at one time but in the late 90s they were kind of like the band you read mrr and they were like they had the underground hype well that that's where like what Juan was it Juan from Naked Aggression played in Los Crudos like yeah. after like so he had like a Chicago connection right because of Los Crudos but Naked Aggression were they were so tight with Underdog they were in they played Chicago all, all the time. time like yeah yeah definitely it's a uh, 
you know, it was it was one of the hot spot scenes, right? Like that's where like the 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 spot was to go to in the '90s. You know, certainly in the Midwest, obviously, but not just because it's the biggest city, but because there was just like so many micro scenes happening on top of each other. It felt like, yeah, yeah, like in the band, and there were so many bands that would like break down in Chicago and just stay at the Underdog Loft for like a week or or a week too. I remember the Voodoo Glow Skulls were in Chicago for yeah, almost they were like for a while. Yeah, like it was like two weeks or something. They, were, they remember they played McGregor's. Then they played, I think maybe they played the Underdog Records Loft or I don't know, like, but they were they were just here, like hanging out. I remember they were flyering that show at, after um, some show at uh, McGregor's. They were like flyering it out for Booty Glow Skulls. And we're like, okay, yeah, check them out. It was like, you know, that yeah. was back in the day. Remember that? <laughs> oh, wait, they played they played Wrigley side with, with us. I'm, and, and, uh, was it Brutally Familiar, that band from Connecticut? Oh, yeah. I remember so I had the flyer somewhere. I remember oh. I drew my chicken scratch. I drew that flyer. It, it looks it looks like a three-year-old drew it. I was like, <laughs> what, the, what was I thinking? <laughs> the, like, like why they let me design a flyer? The worst. It was like Joe Spoonless was drawing that one. That's who that was. <laughs> Joe Spoonless art. Art by Joe Spoonless. Oh, <laughs> Damien has yet has yet to hear Spoonless, and he he probably never will. Oh, <laughs> oh that's a challenge. That, that's that's you know, that's Joe's like one of his first bands back in the day. Like when you, that's his first name. Like, we, we we dabbled we dabbled in the funk punk realm because of Sludge Word. <laughs> Sludge, speaking of the devil, look at that right there. there you go. That's right. This is Spoonless. Uh, I, remember, I will. Say- I remember the people. You know, Joe Spoonless is coming. Joe Spoonless. Oh, oh Joe's coming. Okay, I get it. I get it. Best bass player, best funky bass player I've ever met. Joe Spoonless. <laughs> Slapping the bass. I, I I wanted to be. I remember um, there were like three bass players doing some like like slapping and popping while they like they would play like well bob would do it sometimes oh i just dropped my ear my earbud um bob would do it but ed ehrlich from chemical people would oh, once yeah, in a while yeah. and then of course mike watt and then um uh strat of course from sludgeworth but that's where you get it from it's like but we we listen to like fire hose we listen to chemical people we i mean all that stuff too is like all the influences that would come in there you like you suddenly you throw some slap bass into a song you're like it's a little funky right there you know we that little <laughs> a little bit in you know everybody has a, a song everybody has a taste of that where it's like funk dungeon you know influenced <laughs> sludge earthy thing you know everybody's got one we all, we got one you got a couple it's oh, like <laughs> unre- unrespected peggy sue's got some popping in there right it does yeah, yeah. well i remember yeah. yeah unrespected peggy sue has popping in it and so does um uh, what's the, what's the other one? Uh, the, the underdog um, song. Uh, oh, I got a dear John letter from you just the other day. What's that? Oh one my song? God! Um, I'm drawing a blank. I, I it's one of our songs. I can't even think of the name of it now. What I wanted. Yeah. God damn it! That is. No, it's um, not. Yeah, it's it's not unrespected, Peggy Sue. It's that song. It, it's unrespected, Peggy Sue has it. It goes doo, doo, There's a. There's oh a yeah, bro, yeah, 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 yeah. And then um, we just don't do it now. <laughs> we just don't do that now. <laughs> so popping just fell off. Popping and locking went off. Um, what the fuck's that song with the popping in it? Well, shit, we had a couple mm-hmm. songs with popping. Um, do do. Do 
Uh, Damien, you have to look it up. I'm gonna have to look it up. We'll finish the intro. I guess it's popping. It's a popping bass in the in the breakdown part. And it that real weak sounded breakdown. Oh, the anemic popping bass. It's a Bootsy Collins right there. It was something. It was a Tom Collins, I think, is what it was. Just <laughs> drunk. Just drunk. That's the thing that hasn't come back is like that early 2000s heavy funk influence in, in hardcore and punk music. Yeah. Like Rollins Band. Like there's just so many bands yeah. that are so popular that were kind of like bass driven. And it just doesn't feel like that's really had its comeback around moment. I guess Red Hot Chili Peppers killed it for the genre. They just got too big. And yeah. Just crushed under the weight. That It's true. Like, I, I was, it's funny. I was thinking about that. Cause there was like, there were bands that touched on it. Well, of course, like Ned's Atomic. Ned's Dustman. Dustman. Ned's I was going to say Ned's, yeah. was, Ned's was a thing. So th- that's like where you go. I remember we were like, Ned's coming out. We're like, Oh my God. Two days, but oh my God. Oh my God. Yeah. And, that's and, crazy. And they are. And they are really good. Don't I fucking love them. They're good. But it's like, yeah. Could could they have done more with that and, and kind of built upon that? Probably. Probably. But they got they know. were really popular in Canada. They had like a, a big kind of alternative radio hit, Ned's Atomic Dustbin. Oh yeah. Oh, that kill your television. Yeah. Yeah. And uh-huh. I I always associate them with kind of like I don't know, I guess Britpop kind of stuff a little bit later, yeah. but they were like they would play shows with Mega City Four when John Kastner was on. He's like, Oh, we used to play with Ned's Atomic Dustbin and Mega City Four all the time. Like oh. they were really part of that scene. Yeah, that Kastner interview was great. By the way, that was so fun, man. Like, you've I've like Canada, like Doughboys. They were like our, uh, they were like our Weezer up here. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Do I remember Daryl? Remember we saw them with Buzzcocks at the Metro? Oh, what that, I didn't go to that show. Oh, you? Oh, I went. So I went. I went with. I'm pretty sure I went with Dennis. I remember Steve Diggle was at the door or like the the merch area but at the metro handing out flyers and I, I took one and it was it was about himself <laughs> he was such an egomaniac <laughs> he was standing out flyers about himself <laughs> i was like wow <laughs> i remember i remember that show but i didn't go yeah you I, probably I had know. med school shit i bet probably did it's, it's like but then again i was like yeah i could go I was doing something. I don't even know why. There's there's like shows that suddenly you realize I should have gone, but there had to be something I was doing that I couldn't go to the show. Because mm-hmm. there's always a show we'd go to. There's always a show. Like I remember like who played with with uh filter that one time? No, no, the fluid. Who played with the fluid? Remember that show? I don't remember. I'm it was it it wasn't um, them, but this would have been after that, maybe. When was that show? Because I remember going to that show at the Metro and I'm confusing, I'm confusing fluid with fluff. Like, Oh, the photographer, that was his band. It's different bands. Fluid was from Denver. I think. Yeah. Fluid was they're from, I think Boulder even. And it's just like super sick kind of grunge vibe stuff. They, they came out of a, what was their, they had a pre the frantics. My dad's a fucking alcoholic. That single. Oh, that was like a fluid band. And we and we went to that show, but you didn't go. It was me and Bob went or something like that, and you didn't go. I was like, I didn't, no. 
Like in all the super chunk shows we'd go to, but I don't think you went to most of those shows. I went, I went to the, the super chunk Betty Severe show at the Metro. That's awesome. I went to that one. <laughs> I fucking love well, Super Chunk so much. Like, you know, they're a band that I don't think gets kind of, they kind of get lumped in more with the indie stuff, but to me, they're like one of the great pop punk bands of the 90s. Right. Dude, their their last record is one of my favorite records in, in the last decade, probably. Yeah. Like, generally speaking, like that record is um, really amazing from start to finish. Like, I love it. Yeah. They're not going to put out a bad record. They're like one of those bands that you're like, just the people involved you, you know that like when someone's going to submit like a terrible song there's enough hands and present that are going to be like no way nah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when did you guys first meet like do you remember daryl seeing him uh, seeing joe come to a show for the first time oh geez that was like wasn't it uh did you meet at bob's house we probably met at bob's house but or did I, 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 I thought I met you at the Riv at Naked Ray Gun. It probably was at Ray Gun, but then like, cause we were always in the same spot at Ray Gun yeah. at the time. We were always like in the front, like always well, in I the front. I remember, okay, Mabel, our mutual friend Mabel, she worked at a record store and she's, she gave me your, the red cassette demo. Oh, like, yeah. uh, and I remember, I remember thinking like, like you guys sounded, Chicago but at the time n nobody was doing what no one was playing fast like that like because out of order was just kind of breaking up Nick and Reagan didn't sound like that like you guys have definitely had Chicago with a hint a tint or a hint of west coast mm -hmm. and I was like like blown away by that demo and then Mabel introduced me to Bob and then I remember I remember getting along with Bob immediately right away and then we would skateboard and then play bass together and learn you know learn from one another and then he introduced me to ken and then and then you at some point then right. you i was introduced to you and, and then we were like at, inseparable right had me at bob's house because I, there was that one practice that we were writing a bunch of the songs like peggy sue all those songs came out you were there oh that was at bob's basement right bob's yeah basement yeah you were yep, there that's right and it's like mabel was there and you were and you were there and it was like we're writing all these songs you were like right there during the process of all of it and we were just yep. hanging out and i'm like and i i loved him like yeah, joe's cool we're hanging out just laughing about stupid stuff but then I, yeah <laughs> but the, the thing is we always be busting each other's balls about crap that's the thing everybody was always <laughs> busting each other about crap just making up stuff and just saying stupid things that's all we did just say <laughs> stupid crap and trying to see if we could make people laugh the most that's all it was is like can you make somebody laugh about something how stupid could you be? What stupid phrase could you make up to try and see if it catches on about something? It's just stupid. And then just hang out. Let me go skateboard. I, I skated. Yeah. Boats, a little bit. I, I, I do a no comply. Throw a little no comply out there. <laughs> <laughs> you can do that. Get a couple of Smith grinds. Do a little bit, you know. It's just up to fakie. I could, I could get some fakie in there on action. So, so um, but I mean, we would all skate. And yeah. you know, just mess around. We'd eat all the time. <laughs> so all, all the time. All the time. It's like, where are we gonna go eat? 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 Dude, I mean, record shopping was record shop. I, we, I think our activities revolved around record shopping. Then we would eat, or maybe go to a show that night, or skate. Yep. 
And then it, it was like, but going to record stores together, you kind of got a sense of what I was into right away. Cause that, you know, what I was looking at and same with you guys, I remember like being turned on to a lot of bands, especially Chicago based bands from you guys, you know, like Chuck Uchida, you know, like Defoliants and yep. No Empathy, you know, I mean, you guys are definitely rooted in, or you, I think because you recorded with Chuck, like so yeah. early on and, and you kind of said like, oh, we did this and this guy was in this band, the Defoliants, and now he's in No Empathy and blah, 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 you know, like. And, and like they have, he has connections with all of these Chicago-based, you know, musicians. I, I just remember thinking, Ken especially. I remember looking yeah. through Ken's records and being like, like I, I just I learned a lot. Like I would I would get turned on to so much music from Ken and and, and Bob to a certain extent. But like, but because at the I think at the time I was definitely into the staples. I was into DC, you know, Discord stuff, Minor yeah. Threat. And then West Coast stuff, which I knew Naked Reagan from Dom, um, and I knew Screeching Weasel, of course. But like a lot of local bands, like were a little, they were a little bit of like an unknown to me at, at that time. Like you know, I, I guess I was too young really to branch out, you know. Um, so I needed your guidance, like to to kind of get me, get me there. But it was like the whole thing is that everybody was like, cool. I mean, we we all clicked like that. It was like there was no yeah. like like friction. It was like it's like I knew you forever. It's like, oh, this guy's cool as hell. It's like, so I knew you from coming up in Bob. So that was, that had to be 89, 80, 89, right? It was probably 90 something. I think it was, it was probably 90. Yeah. I think it was like 90 because 89, that was when I was still, I was definitely hanging out with Dom at that point. Yeah. And that's when I first started going to shows. And I met you guys maybe a year, a year yeah. after that. So it'd be 90 then. So yeah, so, so yeah. it's been, you know, a great number of decades that we've been friends. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, shit, that's a long ass time. <laughs> 30, 31 years? 31 Is that what years. I'm saying? 30, yeah, 30 32 years. years. 32, 32 years. years. <laughs> oh <my God>. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God. Your friendship's a middle-aged person. They're they're heading yeah. into their midlife crisis in, in, in <laughs> real terms right now. Right. We're gonna go buy Ferraris now. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> did did you guys ever go to Vintage Vinyl at all? Vintage Vinyl, Daryl, wasn't that in Oak Park or no? That was in Oak Park. Is that? Oak yeah, Park? I don't. Or no, Val Val's Hollow Records. That was Oak Park. Vintage Vinyl. I, I think we went there. We went to Reckless and Wax Tracks. I know that all the time. Yeah, to like uh, the one out here in you know Naperville had that one record store, and then um, you had uh, off the alley. You had yep. there, you know, um, you had uh, we went to Rolling Stones, <laughs> of course, because that's where we we worked. we went to Pravda Pravda Records by on Southport, right? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, yeah, they had a cool label too, Pravda, right? They put out some records. Yeah, they did. They did yeah. for sure. Um, definitely a little bit out of like my scene at the time, but I remember thinking like, like, like they were, were they like more like kind of indie rock based maybe? Yeah. I'm trying to remember who some of the bigger stuff on Pravda was, but, um, yeah, like it, I definitely got a few singles on there. Let me look it up. But our whole thing was like, we just spent time at Reckless most of the time or Wax Tracks, you know, and, uh, 
you know, or spent time in Wicker Park when it wasn't the place to hang out because we'd write underdog. Yeah. And um, then when the fire set opened up, we'd hang out the fire set all the time. And that was, that was yeah. where we were at most of the time. It was like, you'd see a show because there were shows happening all the time. And so um, that was like, okay, if you didn't know where to go, you'd be at the fireside. You'd run, and if you even went by yourself, you'd run into somebody that somebody was there that you'd run into to hang out with. So you yeah. always had a place to go. That was like our cheers, right? <laughs> it's going to the fireside. <laughs> Speak, speaking of the fireside, I remember I parked my car right in front of the fireside Go in. I think 88 Fingers Louie probably played a show. I remember going back out to my car and my car stereo was stolen <laughs> and the window was smashed. And I remember asking Hammer, the door guy, I go, Hammer, did you see anybody like break the window? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, you didn't say anything? It's my car. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, I didn't see nothing, man. I didn't see nothing. What you talking about, man? I didn't see nothing. Like, yeah, I just mind my own business. So I was like, <laughs> I remember that time I was there and you know, Alfini was like, uh, you know, from the four squares, Mike was like, you're a doctor, Daryl. You, you, you drink bourbon. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> you drink bourbon now because you're a doctor. I'm like, what, what is that supposed to be? He's like, you know, you're fancy and stuff. I'm like, fine. Give me some bourbon from the fireside. <laughs> and it's like, you want to drink some bourbon from here? What do you really want? I'm like, yeah, do some bourbon. And it's like, okay, man. And he goes underneath the bar. It's like some dusty bottle. There's cobwebs on it. It's <laughs> bourbon for, I don't even know what it was. And I'm like, it was the worst thing ever. Just <laughs> so bad. I'm like, oh, hey. And Alphine's just laughing so hard. He has this laugh. You know, he's how he laughed. It was like, oh my oh, God. Yes. That, it's like, what was I thinking? It's like, that was just dumb. Oh my God! Fireside bourbon. No one's going Man. top. No one's going top shelf at the fireside. It appears. I don't think there were any top shelves. It was all just bottom. All yeah, way bottom, bottom shelves. <laughs> way from the bottom. <laughs> but like you know, Martine talked about it on the show. Like Chicago is kind of a tough town, and I guess like that's the other thing that he talked about was the other factor that's going on with Chicago is that a lot of the violence that kind of like kept building up in punk shows and a lot of the fights that were happening towards the late eighties kind of crested and you almost have this sort of new scene pop up, you know, that ultimately the fireside underdog records, like towards the, the beginning of the nineties, like it feels like there's almost like this sort of a uh, new birth of punk that's kind of happening at the same time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think that did happen. Yeah. We were, it was definitely not the same kind of, uh, I mean, there's still some violence, but it wasn't like, this the legendary stuff that would happen before the things that kind of made things not happen at certain clubs because it was just a, a you know crazy as hell but i mean yeah we, we like joe was saying earlier you know like you talk about you know the rare stuff that happens when dave eves gets you know stabbed or whatever it happened at the show and um you know people getting beat down in front of the fireside um but that was crazy yeah. The Nazi, the Nazis at it in the the Homewood Nazis, they yeah. they they got kind of bad at, at some at some point. At some point, yeah, that was the one thing that we we you know always had to kind of deal with in some sense. But you know, I, from the standpoint of how violent it ever really got, I mean, we, I guess, kind of just kind of just missed it in some yeah. sense. We we go to the shows, and and you know, you'd see Reagan shows, and there'd be like you know. The wall of death that would come and just the 
anarchy yeah. of everything going on in the shows, but people were still pretty cool to each other, really, in, in the shows. It was still like family. It wasn't like you were getting into fight after fight, but it was like you you didn't. I mean, we were just there hanging out and shows happened and the pit was the pit and the crowd was the crowd. Um, yeah. But there, there were people that would fight, but it, we didn't get involved in that. We weren't a part of that. Our, our, our faction wasn't about fighting. We were about making the best music we could make. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> With songs like In the John from Indian Fingers Willie. Really. <laughs> classic. It's a classic. I was about I to love say that song. That <laughs> Come on. Uh, it's, it's, it's really, uh, I don't know. I think it's amazing how, you know, like it, it, it's just, it's just something that keeps me kind of like interested. Like every time, like there's more stories I uncover more bands, more connections. Like the, one of the big mysteries to me still is when Dan panic was on, he talked about the first show he ever saw was this band called the feds. You know, I think I brought it up to both of you, not to be confused with the feds that existed later on, obviously right. the Weevil's connection that was like pre poster children and James Eha from uh, smashing pumpkins was in it. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. I, I never heard of them. That's crazy. He said that they, he doesn't think they recorded a demo, but they gave him a like lyric booklet at the show. So maybe they're like the original <laughs> inventor of giving out the lyric pamphlet before you play, which is a very much a Chicago staple. I have a Los Crudos one and a race trader one. Of nice. Oh, that makes pamphlet. sense. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> nice. I remember m- money doing them for race trader for sure. Um, <laughs> You know, it's like you, you think about like not only the bands and stuff that kind of made up the scene, it was like the people within it too that kind of made Chicago, Chicago scene. I mean, you know, it's, it's, you got Kenny Chaos, you got stuff that they just people that, you know, you, who had a, a thing about them, their character about them that made them who they were, that you could yep. expect the same thing when you went to the show. You'd see the same people and know exactly what was going to happen. What you got was what you got. And it was genuine, right? It was like none of yeah. that stuff was like errors or some kind of, you know, kind of fake thing. It's like, that's what somebody was. It, and it was kind of cool. You could just be who you wanted to be and show yeah. up to shows. And you'd be like, oh, there's Kenny. And you and if you didn't see him, you were like wondering, are they okay? Is there something <laughs> up? Because you expect to see that, that, once again, the family of people that you know showing up. And you'd see, you know, same person show up wearing whatever outfit they wear, or, or, or you know, Katie Primus Tom. And, yes, Primus. Oh, exactly. It's like that. rest in peace, Primus Tom. He passed away. Yeah, but it's but like, you knew he always had that Primus shirt on, and he had he was always going to be at the at the Wrigley side or or whatever, like 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 clockwork. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. You know the Mad Masher. <laughs> oh he, yeah he was always starting chris, starting the chris always there you know chris you know like, play what do we learn play what do we learn man stop teasing like okay we're not playing that song play what do we learn it's like okay chris we're not playing that song you can that i'm like doing this mosh <laughs> well, yeah because you can be famous in punk and hardcore and not playing a band at all like i knew pete wentz was long before Fallout boy long before i knew that he was in other bands other than the guy that was filling in in Endeavor, I think, when I saw him play. Like, just because yeah. he was like, that's that guy that's oh, at the shit. shows. That's, that's that famous Chicago kid who's at all the yeah. shows in Chicago. But it's like some of the stuff you'd run into, like, I, I remember just hanging out with, I remember, I mean, with Paul, like, you know, Paul, Paul yeah. Alfred, Paul, I think. 
Paul back in the day always at shows, and I love Paul because Paul's this good dude. Now Paul does his hip hop stuff and he's kicking ass with that. But it's like, yeah, man, just at the show, like running around the pit. I would just have I just messaged him about this, and we were just running the pit, and I remember a bad religion show, and I was just running, running. Bump into Paul, turn around. I see Paul just grabbing. We're just like running in the pit, hanging out, just crazy. And it's like that's the kind of stuff that you just know because you run into everybody from shows, see your friends at shows, and it's just like it's just love, man. It was like that was just the coolest thing. And you might not see yeah. people for months, then you see them at a show, and you're like hugging it up, and you're ready to you know have a good time again because it was it was just that kind of closeness that we had. And and, mm-hmm. and even though like that whole factionization and things broke up in that sense yeah you still got together for bigger events and you guys and it was still family it wasn't like you know you were so like anti this kind of were sometimes like yeah we can't play with those guys fuck that which was so weird and i, yeah. and I look back on that it was like really dumb and we could have done a lot more as bands if we weren't acting like you know petulant children <laughs> you know mm-hmm. at some point but there were definitely we held grudges for like no reason <laughs> oh yeah we did a lot of like, them like like for nothing for nothing, for nothing. Like, oh that guy didn't eat that chalupa fuck that guy man you don't like lucky dog you don't like lucky dog fuck you man <laughs> i wonder i wonder if lucky dog has vegan hot dogs these days we should go back and figure that out <laughs> let's go back and figure that out oh my god well it's, it's like it's funny because like normally in life you know you you make friends you grow apart you lose touch with them but because we're all tethered to this thing for our whole lives it seems you have this weird thing in punk rock where you grow apart from people but then you come back together later on in life where you're like oh you're still here i'm still here right why why do we hate each other for like 10 years for some reason well yeah and then you realize that we're still here we're still alive thank yeah. god maybe maybe we should hold on to each other a little bit more because yeah. Yeah. How stupid we were. I mean, really, you think about that. It's like, that's just, it, it, we held grudges for the, as, as, as Joe pointed out, for the stupidest minor things. And, you know, not worthwhile. There's there's probably still grudges out there for stupid shit that shouldn't even go on. But, you know, we, we got to be yeah. adults. I mean, we're, we're well over that. You know, we don't have the time to really waste doing that because our, 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 our time on this earth is so you know, minuscule. Mm-hmm. So to waste time on that is just completely ludicrous. It's it's not worthwhile. Yeah. Well, it's funny when the stylistic differences are so small in the grand scheme of things. Like when you put it against all types of music that's out there, we're all pretty much the exact doing the exact same thing. But yet, at some point, if someone played a little bit heavier bass sound, or someone played a little bit tighter, or someone played a little bit slower, it was like the end of the fucking world. Like, it's like, oh yeah. my God, they can't be part of this anymore. What? <laughs> they want a tour? Get the fuck out of here. That's some rock star <laughs> shit. How dare they change? <laughs> yeah, how, how dare, dare they, they evolve? Oh God, you guys are the worst. You change what you do. You're horrible. I hate you guys. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> but I guess we, I guess we need it when we're younger, right? Like it's almost like that's like armor that you have. Like you can like build this armor up where you're like, well, I this as long as I keep my little world perfect, yeah, I'm safe. Yeah, yeah. You think that, and then you realize the world's a lot bigger than that. Yes. And and it's like you know the only only world you can really control is like that one right here. And even then, it's like you know your response to stuff doesn't have to be 
the way that it is. It's like overblown, way dramatic. You know, it's it's probably our hormonal stuff because we're just yeah. dumb, young and dumb. But um, then you start growing up and start realize you look back and go, shit, that was stupid. I I I remember, you know, all the stupid, you know, major label stuff that we would say and stuff that we would do that was so defiant and so yeah, you know, screw this. When Ken had that, you know, contract from Surf Dog Records or whatever. And, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, they gave us this contract. And I didn't even know he had a contract with something. And he like wipes his ass with it, throws it away. I'm like, okay. What the fuck was that? Want to somebody else about what we're doing? He's like, what the hell? We're not signing because we're not, we're, because we're punk rock. We're, we're the Bowie Bulls. We ain't doing that shit. Fuck them. Cool. <laughs> Fuck you, Surf Dog. We told Surf Dog Records. Boy, they didn't get a hold of us. <laughs> Surf Dog. <laughs> they didn't get a bite out of the Bowie-ables. Man. Woo. <laughs> All that Surf Dog money rolling in. Man. <laughs> All those endorsements. <laughs> I'm going to eat a Surf Dog and Lucky Dog. <laughs> we're... we're were you guys both asked at the same time to do those Labyrinth record splits or did one of you guys, one band get asked first and then bring the other band aboard type thing? Oh, oh I'll tell you how that came about. <laughs> Ken, Ken and I worked at Rots Distribution together. Uh, so Labyrinth was like the, the record label that the owners of this distributor started and Ken and I were working there and, and, Agnes, it was this guy, Kai, this German guy, Kai, owned the distribu distribution company, and his wife did this record label, and she's like, she wanted 88 Fingers Louie and the Bull Evils to, to be a part of, you know, this, these splits. <laughs> so that was it. It was like, we were just there, and, I, you know, our bands were getting some recognition, you know, locally, and so, yeah, she, she, uh, she asked us. It's, it's so funny, because, like, it is really you know a very random selection of canadian bands some great canadian bands but also like you know you guys make sense but then quincy punks and then mxpx like it's really they're just like okay these two yeah Chicago the series bands. the series got a little crazy <laughs> got a little weird still a classic though you know and it's also 88 fingers louis career suicide proto career suicide split yeah i remember you you mentioned that that blows my mind I tell you, this is this is what I'm I'm here for. I'm just connecting all these dots. <laughs> uh, also, did you, uh, did you guys stay with Cold's Life one time? We didn't. We stayed with Dogfight in St. Louis. Oh, Dogfight, okay. Um, but we were friends with Cold's Life. Like Jeff, Jeff worked those shows at at Shelter in St. Andrews, and those the oh wait those sorry those dudes like just took a liking to us like because we were always on our way to Canada we were stopping Detroit and they were always around and uh and then there was uh the hitmen from Chicago they were you know their friends it was Bob from the Bull Evils was in the hitman and and Ken right right Daryl oh Ken wasn't in the hitman oh it was it was Nick it was Nick, it was Nick. I'm I'm old, <laughs> but they had cold as life come to Chicago and they stayed with Jim, the singer of Hitmen, And it, it was, it was crazy. Like, like uh, they were, they were really sweet. We didn't really know what we were getting ourselves into, you know, with the, the, what, what they were known for. I didn't, we were just ignorant kids and luckily they didn't do anything crazy, <laughs> but, but it was, it was crazy. 
Um, hey, can we pause this so I can go pee really quick? Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> we got caught up and, and started having a podcast off the record again. So, uh, But you were just saying, like, talking there's about a yeah, the important to like appreciating all this stuff. There, there's a point in time, it was it was weird because I hadn't talked to Joe for some years, right? Yeah, for a while, and then we got back together. Like, so you reached out to me or something, and it was like you called me. I think did you reach yeah, out to me? Yeah, I did. I called you, and it was like, oh, Joe, I hadn't talked to you. Well, it was like this thing we met up and we we're talking, and it was like this whole thing of like like almost like tears almost. I mean, I'm just saying that because it was like, but it was yeah. this appreciation of like, dude, how do you not have your friends from way back? You can't forget about those people because you start going places and you you get lost in a way. And then it's like, you mm-hmm. got to get grounded. It's like, you got to have that grounding. And, and that's what it is. It's like, it, it's, it's very grounded. And I was like, totally touched by them like oh yeah dude we haven't talked for a while it was like holy good we're friends like thick and thin yeah you went off on your own and so you got to do your thing but it's like nah dude i got to come back and be with my real people and it was like that's kind of cool that was like one of those things that you know we, we touched on that at the vans thing like how that's real dude that's like the real deal stuff and um yeah I, and it is like these these true friendships that you have with people regardless of where they are in life it's like your station doesn't make you change from who you were when we met you way back when we've been friends for over as we were saying we've been friends for over 30 years right that's yep that's crazy so um and even after all this even after i'm like retired from medicine and i'm you know working at a comic store or something (laughs) or whatever i'm doing (laughs) it's like i'm still gonna be your friend and and you know and you're still going to have the invite to come out, you know, hang out, you know, it's like, my wife knows that my kids know that it's like, they know how close we are. Everybody knows that, which is kind of a a, a given. Um, And I just appreciate you for you, you know, regardless of being Joe from rise against, I mean, that's not even it. Cause 'cause like like I said, when these people come up and talk to me and they're like, Oh my God, you know, this guy, I'm like, yeah, I've known him for 30 years. And you, you have no idea. I could say something. We start laughing. You have no idea what we're talking about. You'll think we're the stupidest people ever. Like you're a doctor and he's like this like big star. I'm like, yeah, but we're going to say something that is 30 years in the making that you oh, yeah. never even understand. And it's like that kind of thing that we can just enjoy, which I, which I appreciate a thousand times over. Yeah. There's like yeah. nothing, there's nothing like it other than maybe religion where you can have like, this thing that you kind of carry with you for your whole life, you know, and that's like, that winds up being this weirdly, oddly guiding sets of principles, even when you're rejecting it, you know, like Tim Heidecker was on and talked about how he thought Ian Mackay and the sort of like vow of DIY poverty, anti-manager label stuff was all bullshit. Anti-success stuff was all bullshit, but even he's reacting to it by rejecting it. So it's something that he still carries with him to this day. And it's like, it's something that we all carry with us. And like, when you meet people again, after all these years, like, you know, it's, it's the crux of this podcast is that you can kind of bring people back to the same place. Cause we're all really, you know, coming at the world from a similar, maybe not place, but certainly from a similar understanding of it through our years of schooling through music, at least. Well, yeah. that it's, I think it's incredibly rewarding to listen to your guests on your show 
and especially like Jeff Tweedy, like that, you, you could tell you, you like lit that spark again in in him. Like he was stoked, like to talk about the old days. And I I loved hearing that. Or like you had, I, I, it's her name slipping me, but, but the Grey's Anatomy actress. Oh my God. Why am I blanking on this too? Um, uh, she grew up with like, you know, Harley and Uh, Brooke Smith. (laughs) Brooke Smith. Yes. Yeah. yes. <laughs> that episode was insane to me. Like, like I, I was, but you're kind of reigniting these sparks, like in these people's lives, like that it's stuff that they haven't thought about probably in a long time. Not everybody, but some of these people you could tell they're like, or, or, um, um, see, I am totally Old. just brain farting. <laughs> like the kids in the hall actor. <laughs> Bruce McCullough. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> God no, damn you're, it. You're right. Like it's funny because, like, especially with these people that went on to do, you know, and like, you know, like yourself too, like, but huge things in in music or other parts of pop culture, especially people that do it in other parts of pop culture, where they have this inkling in the back of their mind, like, yeah, the shit I was into was kind of cool, and it's kind of important, but it's so far removed from yeah. their everyday life that like you know what though i, I don't it's not to cut you off damien i think no, no, that please. the reality about it all of it if you think about things that make people somewhat successful it is having that unique nature knowing like your 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 freak flag and flying it and, and having that stand out and a lot of that's what draws all of us into punk rock right like we're, mm-hmm. we're, we're like these outcasts in a way like we we don't always fit the same you know bend of that curve we're, we're, we're a little off on that and we see things differently and we want to march by a different drummer and mm-hmm. that's kind of our uniqueness is what we embrace that right yeah and i think when, once you embrace that uniqueness if you can incorporate that into your every day it's going to sustain you in a way that's different and it nourishes you and allows you to go through some adverse things because you can see it from a different angle and you can walk around it or go through it or go above it or, or you know, bash it. it. It's just that whole thing of embracing your uniqueness and embracing that kind of weird streak about you, embracing your weirdness that I think we in punk rock do really easy. And mm. I think yeah. it allows us to succeed in ways that other people don't. I, you know, I'm not trying to exclude us, but it's it's always there i think and, and and that's the unique thread i think through all of this is that we all embrace our inner weird which is cool yeah um, like no matter what mavericks. you're doing yeah. yeah no matter what you're doing i mean even even in you know my profession i still have to have that streak that makes it me you know unique to me you know i think of my form of medicine as a punk rock form of it because it's so anarchaic and it's so you know all over the place and you have to be able to really you know dive through this and break through and sometimes think outside of the box to figure out what's going on and you also have to capture an audience very quickly and engage with them so that they're going to tell you what's going on in the emergency department so that's kind of Mm -hmm. using my skills as a front man in a punk rock band to to navigate and do medicine at the in the best way that i can so I think all of us embrace that. So finding these people who are, you know, s- scattered around the world in differing professions, but we all have this commonality of our our, our roots in in this genre of music, this this feeling of, of, of a community that we have. I think makes us do so 
better and strive to, yeah. to do our, our, our best. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think, and I think to back up your thesis, the guy who invented the Moderna vaccine is a punk rocker, apparently. See, there you go. Yeah. So it, is, it is maverick thinkers that are, you know, people that are true, like, you know, thinking outside the box, people that are doing, yeah, approaching things differently. And it's uh, DIY spirit. It's not yeah. like, how do you get, it's not a matter of like, Hey, we can't play shows. Like how are we going to play show? Let's do it. Let's figure out how to get this show done. You know, that's yeah. how it is. You know, yeah. it's not like we can't do it. It's like, we're going to do it. We're going to find a way to do it. Mm -hmm. You know? Mm -hmm. And that's what like, also like everyone who's carved like success through punk rock, like not, you know, obviously people that like wind up playing other types of music and stuff and finding success. But I mean, like any band that's like carved a path, to success in punk rock has had to carve their own path. Like there's no one, you know, like rise again, you guys aren't following anyone else's trail, you know, to, right. to where you went, you know, and in the same way, like whatever someone wants to say about like follow boys music, whether they like it or not, like they did what they did on their own terms and, and, and uniquely sounding it. And they, there was no follow boy that they were following in the footsteps of it's like, totally. It's, it's like, yeah. kind of like, you got to make your own, you got to do it on your own terms, no matter what you're doing coming out of this thing. Yeah, Bow Weevils are taking over. Bow Weevils take over 2022. <laughs> well, we nice have talked. Enough. We have talked for a long time on the record and off the record. <laughs> and I gotta say, anytime you guys want to come back on together or separate, you know the door is always open here. Absolutely. Oh, oh yes. You wait to wait till uh, wait till a couple a couple of practices are under underway. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, all right. How about how about we start a podcast and we're going to have Damien on our show? We should we should do that. We, we should we do go. that. I, 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 I'm ready. I'm ready. I got. You heard I, it here I, first, I, folks. You heard it here <laughs> first. 